welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey everyone, thanks for uh, tuning in and for being with us this morning. Uh, If we haven't met, my name is uh, Dominic and... uh, uh, this is kind of a little bit of a strange experience again for us. It kind of uh, takes us back to times when we were maybe on lockdown. And, uh, and so part of this morning is kind of teaching just to the camera. But in my mind, I think of just seeing some of you and connecting with you and missing being in our space. And I also think of our good friends at the well. Uh, if you're watching from Toronto at the well, we're so happy to have you with us. Uh, but you'll notice even just the recording is, is a bit of a different feel. And, and the biggest difference also for me is that I'm kind of contained, uh, which I never like. <laughs> uh, I can't really move around too much, but we're going to stay connected and we're going to kind of learn together. And, and we've been kind of wrestling with a topic that is, is kind of helping us be honest about something that's happening in our culture that I would say at times we really don't know how to talk about. And so uh, one of the issues that we've been wrestling with is what does it mean to share about God or to share about God's love in a culture where many people have had horrible experiences with this idea of evangelism? And actually, we called the series something like pretty edgy, or we thought. We just called the series the end of evangelism. And by that, we mean that like the way things have always been for maybe the church or for people who are Christians, or for people who've always believed in God, like those things are changing right before our eyes. And, and we're left with kind of this weight of either being sad, or I know people who are just happy because they don't think we need more church, more God, or more any of that stuff in our culture. And so maybe you think about this, and you're wondering about your own life and how you feel about that. Maybe you think about some of the most painful experiences, and for some people that's like traumatic experiences, had to do with a strange teaching that happened in a church or someone that you watched that you thought you could trust because they were connected to God or spirituality and then they hurt you. And so we'd be lying to ourselves if we didn't really slow down to reflect on this issue. And the other thing we also want to do together is to think about that although we're feeling kind of like that things are changing, we're not on our own. We really have some incredible things we can learn from the Bible from history, from how other people in other parts of the world are wrestling with this kind of question. And so as we begin this morning, I just want to let you know that you've landed on a series that's so important, and this is a great morning to be learning with us. And again, if you've missed any of these teachings, this is part of a larger series. We're going to finish it off next week, and you want to be with us live if you can. A good friend of mine, his name is Vijay. Many of you at the well know him as your pastor. He's going to be with us. And, and, and we're just going to like wrap up the series. But for this morning, I want to talk to you about what it means that we need to reframe for people that when God changes our life, we experience his peace in a new way, and we want other people to experience God's peace. I mean, that feels very different than someone trying to shove the Bible, rules, uh, all these things down your throat. It, it does for me. So maybe one of the things we need to do is reflect on the language that we use sometimes to help people kind of feel that it's safe to talk about their questions, their struggles, their doubts. I think of many people in my own life. I think of my kids. I think of the next generation. All of the questions they will have that I don't have or that previous generations didn't have. And I think about also the experiences that they've seen on the internet and around in in our culture where they've realized maybe that the story of Jesus and Christianity uh, isn't as good as they thought it would be. 
I, I want to begin actually this morning by telling you a very painful story. And actually, it's a quote by a leader in Africa that wrestled with the idea of Christianity and the culture in Africa. And you're actually going to see this quote. It's from a, a former prime minister of Kenya. And this is what he says, that when the missionaries came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. They said, let us close our eyes and pray. And when we opened them, we had the Bible and they had the land. Can you imagine? Like the, the, just the, the sheer betrayal of people throughout history who've used the Bible and the story of Jesus not to help others, not to serve others, not even to care and to come along others, but to kind of almost trick or manipulate a situation to their own advantage. I mean, I read this quote early on when I was preparing and studying for the series, and I thought, man, there's a whole generation that are going to wrestle and ask us, you know, is this kind of what the story of Jesus is about? And, and I want to just yell and say, of course it's not. Of course, this is one of the, the worst examples and sometimes very true examples of how people can take the beautiful good news of Jesus and it gets twisted and manipulated. And then you start to believe certain things about other people. And so this morning, I want to just help us understand that there's a way to embrace and to grieve with other people. There's a way of being honest about the mistakes that we've made. And one of the most profound things we can do is to listen and to say that we need to learn and we need to apologize for the ways that maybe we've either explained the story of Jesus or not lived faithfully in the story of Jesus. You know, there's a person in the Bible, and, and you might not know this about him, but he's a person who early on in his life not only did not understand Jesus and the story of God and, and Jesus connected to it, but he, he was convinced that, that all of these people who called themselves followers of Jesus were just a problem. Like they just got in the way and they were interfering with something he loved so dearly, which is his religion and his faith, which was the story of Israel. Some of you familiar with the Bible maybe know this person. His name is Paul. And Paul is this person that he's going to struggle through doubts and questions. And over time, he's going to experience the love of Jesus in such a way that to this day, we still see him as like one of the greatest evangelists. There's that word again. One of the greatest kind of teachers who shares about the good news of Jesus. And I, I guess like nobody was betting on this guy becoming that. I mean, I wouldn't have been. And at one point as his life begins to change, he realizes that because of Jesus, he will never be the same. That maybe there was a point in his life where he would maybe see his life and maybe you and I need to see our lives in this way, that there was a before Jesus me and then there is an after Jesus me. Maybe you never thought of it that way. This is the hardest for people who've kind of been around church for a long time. It's the hardest for people who maybe would even say, I think I was just kind of born into this story of the Bible, Christianity. But the people in the Bible don't have that experience. And actually, they're very much aware that at some point, there is a way that we saw our lives before Jesus, and there's something that changes when Jesus and his love and his understanding for who we should be changes us, and then we start to see our lives transformed after Jesus. Have you ever had that kind of experience? Like a before Jesus and after Jesus moment? Maybe it's not clean. You know, some people have these moments that are like, like mind-blowing. Like I, I used to like hate everybody, now I love everybody. You know, like it's like I'm like, I'm not that. Like that's, that's intense. But they happen. Paul in the Bible had one of those intense moments. But for most of us, it's kind of a slow, continuous awareness 
that who the world says that we are is not the truth. And that at some point, what Jesus says about who we are and how we fit in this great story is maybe more true than we ever imagined. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that. But before I do that, I want to tell you something that Paul, this person who has this like life-changing experience, what he says to a church when he's writing to them in the first century, he says this, pray that I may proclaim this good news, like the story of Jesus clearly. We haven't always done a good job at that, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, people who don't believe. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I mean, like I love this passage. Like I love the fact that the beginning of how Paul starts to introduce people to Jesus has very little to do with crowds, has very little to do with preachers, has very little to do even with, with church, which is going to be very, very important, but it has to do with something that we all experience every day, conversations, just everyday conversations. I think of the conversation I had last week with one of the leaders of the bike race, and I thought about just that interaction and how he thanked us for, for being sensitive about sharing the space, and I thought about that conversation, and another conversation about a friend that I care about who doesn't believe in God, and the conversation of what it would mean for me to be safe for him or for someone that you know to just share their questions and to know how to answer. I mean, Paul is like thinking also about his own calling of preaching. So he's like, would you pray for me that as I share and as I preach and as I teach, which sometimes is, is something that I ask for in my own life, that as I do what I need to do and as Pastor Michael does what he does in the context of our church, that we would be very clear about what it means to say yes to Jesus, that it wouldn't feel manipulated or slick or strange, but that uh, maybe you picked up the language. It would be seasoned with salt, and in a second, I'll talk about salt, because Jesus used that same image one day when he talked about the same issues. Think about the conversations that are going to happen around a campfire, around a walk, having ice cream with a coworker, maybe a neighbor who's just going through a difficult time, that you and I would just begin at a very basic level and welcome the space of knowing that Jesus cares about our conversations. And that he, all of a sudden, in the story of Paul, reminds us again that we would be those who have conversations that kind of reveal to people that there was a before Jesus us and an after Jesus us. Like, and I think of my life, like when this started to happen, so many things around my sense of purpose, how I defined success, how I thought my emotions, how I dealt with anger and peace, forgiveness, all of those started to change. Not instantaneously, but they started to change. If you're a parent, one of the greatest things you can do is just embrace the different type of conversations that your kids or your grandchildren, uh, people that are close to you, they, they might have with you. That maybe is not easy today because we have texts and maybe a good conversation starts just with a text of an emoji of like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't know. Paul's not thinking of emojis, but we do. And we're going to need new wisdom to just make room for people to just understand that there's something about the story of Jesus that's changed even the way we speak with other people, the way we listen. You know, I, I thought about this quote, and it's by a, a leading thinker related to parents and kids and the relationships of those who are the closest to us. His name is Christian Smith. 
And he has this profound thing that he says about those conversations that we sometimes have and what it means for our faith and those that are closest to us. This is what he says. The single most important measurable factor determining the, relation, the re- religious and spiritual lives of teenagers and young adults is the religious faith, commitment, and practices of their parents. If you don't think those regular, consistent modeling that learning from the Bible, trusting God, asking good questions, engaging in doubt with your kids or your grandchildren is going to matter, you'd be wrong because some of the best research is showing what the Bible has always told us, that many of those who are around us not only influence us, but we, with attention, can also influence them. Maybe this this week you want to think about that. That the people in your life, the people you work with, the people that are you know, either your boss or those that, who report to you, they're not just there as people that you know, work with you, but they're people that in those conversations might see that there's something more to life than just work, than just paying the bills, than just feeling like you're running in life and trying to get things done, but there's something much bigger. And that's the thing I want to talk to you about now because Jesus had a way of framing this whole story of evangelism. Maybe some of you remember It's a big Bible word that means this good news. And if you've missed kind of the the bigger picture of this, if you go to week one of this series, I talk a bit more about that. But Jesus, as he's teaching one day, he's going to start to give words and he's going to use these powerful images for how to understand that our lives are now seen as being part of a bigger thing that God is doing. And he uses these images that many of us have probably seen or heard and know. So just for our our time together before I wrap up, I just want to give you these images. And and if you know them, here's the temptation. As I start to read these passages, you're going to think, I just kind of know the story. Or I've heard this before. And and maybe that's the problem, that we've heard it so many times that we've missed seeing that God wants to show us some new things in these stories. Now picture with me that Jesus is teaching people outdoors. It's hot, they're hungry, they're thirsty, kids are running around. And, and, and he's teaching this part of uh, what we call of a, a big sermon on the mount. And at one point, after he's done teaching some pretty deep stuff, in Matthew chapter 5, he says this, talks about salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I mean, that's it's pretty intense. Jesus is going to use this image and he says, you know what? I want you to see your life differently from now on. That if you're going to say yes to my teachings, and if you're going to understand that this good news, that, that your understanding is not just for you, is you're going to start to see your life like salt. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, like that's so strange. Like I, I, I took this from my house, and when I think of salt, I think of this. I, I struggle. I'm like, I don't think of myself as salt. I don't feel like salt. So it's going to take just a bit of time to think about how beautiful and profound this image is for the people that Jesus is talking to. And if we understand it in a deeper way, we might understand how profound it is for us as well. Now, in the ancient world, some of you may be aware of this, they didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have all the things that we enjoy. So salt was used in a very profound way. One, it was very, very expensive. The other thing we know about salt is that many of the ancient cultures, not only in the Bible, but around the Bible, also use salt, for example, like when mummies were preserved, they were kind of wrapped up in salt. And and it was kind of only the kind of material or mineral that rich people kind of accessed. 
And so Jesus is going to use this image to say, you know, all of you can start to see yourself as salt in the world. So let me just give you three simple words to help you understand how that maybe connects with our world and with the idea of evangelism. That one of the things that salt does in order to do its job is it has to be dissolved. Salt dissolves. And it kind of starts to dissolve to the point that it's not a priority anymore. It, it, the focus of even a good meal is not, hey, how salty was it? Was it that it just, you know, just gave flavors to the other food? So there's a dissolving part. And part of dissolving, when I think about evangelism, is that Jesus is saying, are you willing to lose yourself if you're going to be salt in this world? Are you willing for people to even forget who you are so that they would remember me? Are you willing to be the kind of person that is not insecure anymore, that you need other people to see you, to know you, to hear about you, that those things are things you can be set free of and that you can see yourself as dissolving into the world so that something more beautiful can happen? Salt. That's hard to do. I mean, I think of my life and I think of people that I know. I mean, all of the, everything in our world is meant... Uh, is wired to make people know us better, hustle, get your attention, you know, like your stuff. And, and Jesus is like, picture from now on that you believe in me and you trust me so much that you will see yourself as salt, kind of dissolve. Then the other thing that salt does is it preserves. It keeps things that should die and, and kind of lose their purpose and it, it preserves them and keeps them together longer. This is one of the most beautiful images I think about for our church even in this community. And I think about many of you at the well who are watching, and maybe you're watching from another part of the country or the city. What does it mean that God places you and I in places where our presence there helps preserve certain things? That our presence in a certain place helps to reduce conflict? That our presence in a certain place helps people who never thought they could forgive each other begin to forgive each other? It's a beautiful thing. It's so different than just you better believe these rules or you're in trouble when you die. Jesus says, no, no, the good news is more beautiful than that. It sets you free from having to not only see yourself as really, really important, but it also gives value to all the people who are around you. I thought about of a title even for the sermon is what does it mean that as we say yes to Jesus and we embrace evangelism in a new way, that our presence somewhere helps other people understand and embrace God's peace. Maybe today, your presence in your workplace, your presence in your school, your presence with your friends is actually going to help them to see that something more beautiful is happening and that something's being preserved there, who they really are and what it means that their lives matter in a way that nothing in the world will ever show them. The other thing I love about salt is it accentuates everything else that's there. Salt makes everything else taste better. A good meal a wonderful dinner, you never say, hey, that meal was great. It had the perfect amount of salt. You don't think about that, right? You think, oh, the meal was great. Salt dissolved in it and all the other flavors came to the surface. I think about what it means that when we see salt in that way, something more beautiful is happening, not because we're just smarter, not because we're more slick, but because we've allowed ourselves to be fully immersed in the ways of Jesus and you know this, something about this mysterious way of the Holy Spirit enters our lives and, and we understand that we can be salt in this world. We can bring a whole new perspective to this situation. In the context of Quebec, we're going to need to do that. 
Because many people, many of the people even in our community, they have no interest in church and they can't even think of an example where it was good for a church to be in the neighborhood, to be in the community. But remember, it's not even about church first. It's about those conversations and where God has placed us. And from there, it moves towards the community and the people that we love and journey together. Here's one of the other reasons I love this image of salt, right? And, and again, it's very different than for us for just like, it's not just table salt. Jesus warns us that salt has a particular way that it's meant to do its job. And if it loses that, it kind of becomes kind of useless. And he uses pretty intense language. Like salt is like, it's like you're just kicking it around. Now, if you live in a place like Quebec or where it's always freezing, where like salt on the ground is not a bad idea sometimes. But here's the warning. And I want us to remember this. Some things can become too salty. Let's think about that. That salt is good at the right time and the right season, at the right dose to do the right things. And as it dissolves, it loses itself to something bigger. But we all know that for many people, the idea of salt and the idea of Christianity and the story of Christianity is that it's just intense and too much and more and on and on. And I've had some horrible experience with this. That people hear Christianity, they hear Jesus, and they're like, I mean, this is just annoying. I think of something that I've done just, I did this a few weeks ago. I was making popcorn, and I put it in the microwave, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to add more salt, right? And I just put a bit more, and I tasted it, and I put a bit more, and I tasted it, and I didn't realize there was already salt at the bottom of the bag. And so as I started to shake it, I then started to taste some of it, and it was horrible, but I didn't want to admit it. So I just started serving it to everybody in the family. And I'm like, hey, everyone, popcorn. My kids are like, popcorn, yes, I have more. And as they start to eat it, they're like, dad, it's a lot of salt. I'm like, no, no, it's not that bad. It's not a lot of salt. And, and, and I was so upset because I, I didn't want to waste the popcorn. So like I kept eating it and they kind of left it. And then I went back. I'm like, no, I'm just going to keep eating it. And everything inside of me is like, this is horrible. Now I'm going to have to drink and spray myself with water and spray my forever. For many people, the story of Christianity is not a story that's preserving who they are or helping them see themselves in a new way or even accentuating that God is doing something beautiful there and you're just pointing it out saying look how Jesus is at work even when you don't see it for many people the way we've interacted has been intense quotes verses scriptures Christian music it's like just bombardment and you're just too salty so Jesus holds this beautiful image together and he invites us to be the salt of the earth, to see ourselves in this world as holding this tension of not losing the real purpose of salt and not forgetting that too much salt at the wrong time is really bad and that maybe for you, this is a great start. Maybe for you, you know, you think about saying yes to Jesus and you're like so excited and intense. You know, you're just too intense. I had a friend like that. I mean, he's still my friend, but like the, he became a Christian. It was like, we're going to do street evangelism. And I would be like, street evangelism, if you've never heard of it, is like just going on the street wherever you see humans and just kind of yelling or making sure they understand that they got to get right with God. And, and it comes from such a good place. But it just feels like a little bit too salty. And maybe we need to move from like the street evangelism idea to like smart evangelism, which is like Jesus evangelism, which is this idea that salt has a certain place at the right time it's got to dissolve and got to be bigger than just our voice. And it, it kind of gives new meaning to everything that's there. And it almost loses itself. And people realize something beautiful is happening because they understand Jesus in a new way. Maybe you and I can practice that in a new way this season. And, and we're going to need to. 
if evangelism is going to be heard in the same way. But then Jesus gives us one more image, and then we're done. So salt, some of you know the other image, and you already have it in your mind because you know the story. This is what he says. It's beautiful. He goes, if you don't like the salt thing, how about you see your life as you are the light of the world? A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. I mean, I, I love this image again, and every time I read this passage in the Bible, uh, you know, I think of being really young and, and early on, and I don't even remember like who taught me this song or where I heard it. Maybe it was a movie. And it's this song that talks about like this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Maybe you've heard that before. And, and it's kind of a simple way to begin, ki- to begin helping even young children to see their life as bigger than just the pain they see, maybe the, the darkness around the world, the things they're going to be afraid of, but that there's this gift that Jesus gives us where he's going to say that those who say yes to me have this incredible strength to be a light in a very dark place and a light that kind of lights up other things around it. Now, I want to warn you, just like salt, the light that we think about has nothing to do with the way people in the Bible thought about light. Like I think about light and I think about like a light switch on and off, I think about lights around us. We were just looking with the team here of how do we light up around so you can see clearly. But people in the Bible, when they hear the light of the, of the world, they're hearing light as something much smaller, intentional, often in a candle, or something that you have to be close to someone to kind of see the light or use the light. And so I, I want us to think about how beautiful that is because it protects us from thinking that the light of Jesus is a switch we can just turn on and off for people. To be like, you should have the light because when we do that, again, it's almost like being too salty. It's like you're blinding me with all this like light language, Bible verses, Bible, like it's too much. Actually, Jesus wants us to maybe see ourselves as a small light that lights up and as people get closer, they see their lives better because you were there. They see what's happening around them more clearly because the little light that's alive in you is pointing them to a bigger story. This is kind of hard to hear sometimes because we just, we're excited and we, we know the Bible and we sometimes want to share that, but there's a whole generation and there's a shift in our culture where many people are not going to understand any of that. They're going to be like overwhelmed with other images of light and other things that feel like pressure. And so just think of your life as like a, just a gauge lights, and I've often said this to people, maybe a level one and a level two and a level three. It's kind of like even a flashlight might have that or your phone might have that light. It's like levels of dim to like really bright. If you're always thinking of yourself as either super bright or super dim, that's probably not a healthy practice. And it's probably not what we're called to. But we're called to kind of just gently invite people closer and, and, and that they would see themselves and who God is in a newer way because of us seeing ourselves as the light of the world. Now, I want to tell you about that song that I used to learn. Or I, I remember singing, you know, this little light of mine, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it shine. It kind of is a nice song, but it can be confusing. Because one of the things that it confuses in us, and I think I've been confused and maybe you've been confused, is that the point is that people would not just see the light. is actually they would see Jesus because of the light. And that's exactly what Jesus says at the end. As I wrap up, he says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, that's pretty profound. That maybe the goal of us being the light is not that people would see the light, is that the light would help them see the path that leads them to the one who loves them and calls them a child and says, just come and see me as a father. And that their lives would fit into the story where this father would be glorified. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus himself is embodying that. And I always thought, well, isn't the point of the light for people to see me as the light? And every time I've done that, the story of Jesus has become more about me and I've become more selfish and more self-centered than what Jesus is asking me to do, asking you to do. Don't be too salty and don't just think that this is about you being the light. It's about the light helping kind of put the path in a new perspective, put the story of Jesus in a new light. We actually use that language. Now I want to show you this other prop that I have I'm going to get here very, very quickly. And it's this prop that I think about often when I think about light. It's actually this light that I use in, in, in our backyard. And they've, they've been out for a little while. Maybe you have one in your yard or somewhere, you know, maybe where you work. And it's a solar light. It's like you, you place it and it stays in the light all day. It stays in the sun all day and it gathers kind of energy from the sun. You know, I'm going to act like I know the science of that, but I don't. Engineers are all laughing. Okay. And, and so as it gets darker outside, they start to shine. I thought this is actually a way better picture of what Jesus is talking about. Because it's not just a light you can turn on and off. It's a light that all day has to be in the presence of the sun. And all day, it kind of is not being used. It's just there, just absorbing and kind of being present to the sun and the strength of the sun. And as it gets darker, it starts to light up. And it's never annoying. It's always enough light to show you the next step. Jesus uses this image of light, I think, and this just nails it. That salt and light would have been perfect images for people to be like, of course. When people are around me, they should maybe experience what it's like that God has a path for them to walk on, that God has a purpose for their lives, that God is drawing them closer, and that they would never get distracted with me being the light at all. It's amazing. That Jesus, thousands of years ago, is already helping not only Paul, right, but all helping us with these two beautiful images that we would pay attention to. I want to wrap up, and I want to tell you about this last thought, and it has to do with, with the city of Montreal. Like a few weeks ago, uh, in Montreal, there was the Champlain Bridge, and the Champlain Bridge is this, you know, iconic bridge for some people. For those of you who are on it with traffic, you hate your life. Uh, you know, but, but I mean, in general, people know the Champlain Bridge. And a few months ago, there was this announcement that they would change the lighting structure on the light at night because when the lights were too bright or were not blue or green, uh, they would distract birds as they flew at night to get to their destination. And actually, because of pollution in the air, uh, different lights would actually make it very dangerous and the birds themselves would get lost as they flew near, near the bridge. I thought, that's amazing that there is this attention that it's not just about being light in the darkness, but it's about being the right type of light with the right intensity at the right time. Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. And we have to learn this again. If we're going to touch the issue of evangelism, if we're going to really change anything in our culture, we need to go back to some of these basic ideas that Jesus says, would you begin to see your life as salt and as light so that others would know 
that God has a plan for their lives as well. That God has like these purposes that they don't see yet because they've made a lot of mistakes or they feel like religion is abusive and traumatic and all of those things that we feel and maybe I felt and you have felt. That this week and over these next few weeks, this would not just be another teaching series, but it would be like a reframing of how we understand the good news, how we share it, and Jesus' invitation to say, see your life in a new way now. That if you take my teaching seriously, something about your presence with others should be like salt and light. And at the end, the greatest thing is that they will forget you. And they will want more and more of this Father, this loving God, this one who calls them to live in a new way. And I, I think what happens when that all comes together is that people stop hearing the church and the message of the church as something that's filled with pressure or control or to use people or, or to maybe convince them that if they don't say the right kind of prayer at the right time, like they're doomed. We don't want that for our kids. We don't want that for our neighbors. And you know what? Jesus didn't want that for us as well. That's why he preached like this. So wherever you're at this morning, whoever you're watching with, and maybe you're in your car or maybe you're listening to this at the gym, would you begin to just go back to just the idea of like, I'm going to begin with a conversation. I'm going to change how I view just conversations of being with people, of reminding them of the struggles that I have at times, of being honest with them of when I've made mistakes. Because Jesus is asking imperfect people to be salt and light. He's not waiting to have our lives all together. He's actually saying, I'll change things and I'll transform things as you see yourself in this way now. That you and I get to live in the story and see our lives from a totally different perspective. That's good news. That's good news. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, we're grateful for the gift of technology, for friendships and the ways that your Holy Spirit connects us to each other and to our brothers and sisters at the well and to anyone watching. I pray that maybe some of these teachings and some of the ways that Jesus changes the conversation would penetrate deep into our hearts and into our lives and that the distractions and the pressures of the world to be something else, to do more, to, to kind of pressure people to miss the big picture would kind of fade away and that we would start to feel that there's this empowerment to be salt and to see ourselves as light not because we matter or we're important, because this is one of the ways that people will understand you better. And so be with us and help us as we enjoy today. Go into this week with a new sense of the importance of our conversations and gather us again as we learn in different settings with our kids and even next week as a church together. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.